Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Room 104. It's Gav here. So the life is coming back into the city centre in the evening since the restrictions were lifted. However, Dublin still seems to lag behind its European counterparts in terms of nightlife because... Every night, the lights come on at half past two on nightclubs at the weekends and everyone's ushered to the cloakroom and have to leave the club. But there have been recent proposals by the government to extend nightclub opening hours. And to join me to discuss these is Sunil Sharp from the Give Us the Night campaign. Sunil, can you tell us exactly what these proposals are for? Well, at the moment, they, it still has to reach the, the, the stage of the bill being announced. And by later in the year, we would hope that new laws are enacted. But at, the, at, at this point... In terms of the specifics around opening hours, um, we're definitely looking at a, at, at a at a new reality whereby nightclubs and late night venues will will open till later. I don't want to put a particular time on it at the moment because we're still not sure of that. You know, um, I think even the journalists that 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 wrote that piece piece, even though it was you know, it, it would have been. Um, it would have been information that would have been that probably came from government. Um, the bill still hasn't been announced, you know. So we've been a little bit hesitant to put to say, oh, it's going to be six a.m. or it's going to be this time. Like one of the things that we would be it's, it, see, the times are only really part of a, of a wider number of measures that need to happen for all of this to really work effectively. Because you could have a club that opens till six a.m. But what if all of the existing licensing costs still remained in place? You know, what if it was more and more difficult for venues to actually enter the market, like new new operators, um, new uh, new faces in in the scene or in the in the in the nightlife industry? And that's something that we've been missing for the last couple of decades. So I don't believe that closing times on their own. And this isn't to to kind of pour cold water on it. We're we've obviously been pushing for many, many years for extensions to the closing times. But that measure on its own is not going to fix all of the issues around nightlife. Just another thing to add as well, I mean, there, there have been reports around closing times, which we've discussed, but but just want to emphasise very strongly that it's not a done deal yet, you know. And certainly when this bill is presented to, to, to the Oireachtas, it still needs to be voted through, you know. And there are many different stakeholders, different types of lobby groups who all want the bill to work for them, um, ourselves included. I don't describe ourselves particularly as a lobby group, but that kind of is what we do in a sense also. And, you know, there may be amendments that will be made to this bill as well. We want to make sure that when this bill does get enacted into law, that it that it hits all the right notes, you know. So I would just encourage people to to stay engaged with this topic, you know. 
and get ready to speak to your local public representatives when it's going through the uh, our Houses of Parliament through, through the Oireachtas. So. But definitely it's encouraging. Um, if venues in Dublin City, for instance, were to open till 6am, it would make a huge difference to the to, to the to the nighttime environment, and we would just bring it would just change the spirit and bring uh, I, I think a, a new energy um, and uh, a new enthusiasm and vibrancy back into nightlife that has been missing for long over a decade now, in in my experience. Yeah, 6am has been the time that has been kind of thrown out there but as you said it's still speculation until we see something in stone but do you necessarily think there will be actually a a demand for people to stay out later because it's kind of being assumed that just because clubs will be able to open until 6am that they will open till 6am and that people will be staying out till 6am what do you think that definitely won't happen. Like, it, it won't be a case where every club will open until 6 a.m., you know? I think, and I think sometimes, that's why sometimes I find headlines like that are all just geared around the time and 6 a.m. It gives the impression that it'll be just this huge free for all and that, you know, the, the police won't be able to manage. We won't have, you know, enough transport. It'll be a complete mess. Like, look at how it is now and the, the fact that nightlife is just about functioning, but not as well as, as it could. And then you extend the times again. How will that work out? And I think a lot of people have fears around later opening, whether that we can actually uh, manage something like that. I think we easily will be able to manage it. I, I think the amount of clubs, first of all, we don't have that many nightclubs left. I mean, we've, uh, we've approximately... 25 I, I need to I need to actually check back again but approximately 25 dance spaces are late night dance venues and you could probably add a few late bars on top of that as well you know obviously some late bars specialize a little bit more in dancing than others but in terms of uh, bona fide uh, dance venues I mean we don't have that many left you know at one point we had about a hundred in the city you know so we're, we're at approximately uh, a quarter of our club stock of, what, of where we were at years ago, and, and why and, is that, Sunil? Do you think? Um, well, I mean, I, I think I think trends have changed. I think people's engagement and interaction with the city has changed. I think people don't necessarily. It's not obviously people still go out and socialise, but they're maybe a little bit more selective about how many nights they go out per year. I mean, it it it, it has become more expensive to go out and socialise. There are other options, you know, whether that's going up north, whether that's going across the UK, whether that's going to a festival, whether that's going um, abroad for a festival as well. So I think the festival market has kind of, in a roundabout way, has kind of eaten into into the, the business of night nighttime venues. And, and I think kind of the experience and how people kind of share their experiences on, online and through social media, that has also slowly but surely changed uh, the, the fortunes of nighttime venues as well, who who, when you're in a kind of a fixed venue and doing the same thing week in, week out, it's sort of hard with the almost the restrictions that you have yourselves as a fixed venue on top of mounting costs, insurance costs, licensing costs, um, and trying to stay, you know, cool and relevant and modern. It, it's been tough for, for, for nighttime venues to, 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 to reinvent and to keep younger generations coming in and out of the doors but I think that the two the two key issues have been around insurance premiums and uh, and licensing costs and I think when you're forcing venues to have to pay these high premiums and licensing costs etc 
unfortunately, there's going to be other parts of the business that then suffer, you know. And I remember back in the past, you know, when venues wanted to get more people back in the doors, they, they renovated or they got a new sound system in or they did something different that took a little bit of investment. And I think that's something that we haven't seen in the nighttime industry for many, many years now, you know. And I think, you know, if if venues were able to experiment a little bit more and having a greater financial outlay to put back in, into their businesses, um, we we might just see a little bit more movement and it'll just, just more exciting things happening. And I think um, opening hours, it's not going to solve everything, additional closing times. And like you said, I mean, you know, will every, you know, how much of an uptake will there be for that? It's not all going to happen overnight that everybody's all of a sudden going to get used to there being 6am and feel that they can stay out till 6am. A lot of people will still go through their normal routine um, of, of of going out at 9 or 10 o'clock, coming back home at 2 or 3 o'clock, and they won't want to change that. A lot of people are perfectly happy jumping on a night link if it's running or getting mm. into a taxi if they can get one and being home by half three, you know. So for a lot of people, that will still work. But for other venues, uh, and particularly venues that are more music-driven than others and could could have international headliners playing mm. or that could could have some, something more that they want to do with the programming of that venue, for them to be able to have those extra few hours. And the other point to make on this as well is, is some venues naturally get in a later crowd, you know. That's something that we haven't seen since the days of, of, of Leeson Street really being in its prime, you know. Mm. So, you know, there are some venues in the city that could specialise more in the later, later hours, while there'll be other venues that will wrap up at at the same kind of time of 3am. For others, that extra hour will be just all that they need, you know. And generally, alcohol sales tend to, to die off a little bit by about 2am anyway. On, on, you know? a broader, so on the broader topic, sorry to interrupt you, that we were talking about earlier about the the lack of nightclubs in in Dublin it seems at the moment and particularly if you're into if you're into dance music and you're not just going to socialize you're you're going for the music like yeah. you're a DJ you'll have known iconic venues in Dublin like Tripod like you know District 8 and Hangar which only closed in the last 3 or 4 years i believe Hangar Hangar closed to to facilitate a hotel being built on its site if you're yeah. a dance music fan in Dublin there are becoming fewer and fewer places for you to go on a night out yeah, I mean, I, there was a one, there was one stage. I think about 2015, 2016, um, and I remember we did an interview with Vice Magazine. I think at the time because they were taking a little bit of interest in in the nightlife scene in Dublin, and that the techno scene was getting bigger, and dance music in general was sort of on a on a comeback, you know. But at that point, and I remember saying at the time, is we've never been able to maintain too many big venues at once, you know. At that point, we had about four or five big room sort of experiences in the city and maybe a few other kind of large mid-sized venues. At the moment, we don't have any of those large spaces, you know, and sometimes those large spaces can be a great starting point for those who, because generally it's those large spaces that can afford to get big headline acts in and sometimes that's the kind of the that's the that's the entry point for a lot of uh, younger dance fans as well and we haven't had like you said tripod like iconic venue and it was also three or four venues in one as well you know we had the we had the pod we had the pods we had uh, craw daddy I, i'm not sure if the chocolate bar was still part of it at that point as well uh, but mm. definitely that was a, that was a whole venue complex that and i i still pe- i still feel that people don't 
always talk enough about how much of a loss that was was for the entire music community because as a live venue, Tripod was an incredible venue also. So, yeah, I think I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Like what we need for some of those bigger venues to come back is obviously investments, you know, and like I, I've been kind of mentioning, the, the business model for nighttime venues, it, it's not a particularly attractive one. And when you see nightclub operators of the past who have, you know, slowly but surely started to move their attention to hotels. I mean, you know, once upon a time, and we see it in Har- on Harcourt Street as well, you, you, you have hotel operators there who run hotels, who run nightclubs at least. But that is sort of almost like an old-fashioned kind of model. Now it, it happens sort of, not in reverse, but people, yeah, it, in, in a sense it does. The people are converting their... Um, there are nightclubs into hotels. Well, rather, they're selling up in some cases, and and, and a ho- new hotel operators coming in and turning it in into a you know a, a hotel full stop. I think this is where planning authorities have missed the trick with a lot of these new hotels that came into Dublin City that they should have been re- required as part of their, their planning uh, conditions to include some kind of entertainment space in the basement or in some part of the of the building and you know if, if you know we knew change was coming we knew that there was a lot of new investment that had come into the city and that was going to come um at the cost of culture and cultural venues and we really feel that Dublin City Council um, and also on board Planola too and the government I mean all together really needed you know didn't have a policy and now we're kind of looking at a city that is is it, it, very poor and it, it, compared to where it was in terms of our spaces and, and venues uh, but listen there are people listening Sunil who, uh, who who love going out in Dublin or maybe are a bit disappointed with the night out experience in Dublin and they'd quicker consider travelling up to Belfast for a night out or even worse you know getting a Ryanair flight over to to Liverpool or Manchester for a night out for a a more authentic night out experience but Give Us a Night campaign your campaign is kind of their lobby group is, is fighting on their behalf can you just tell us briefly what are the main priorities in conjunction with this uh, with this uh, extension of the opening hours what are the main things you're going to be focusing on well you know, we listen to, we, we get feedback from the public, from our community, we, we, and we also work in this industry as well. So we know how important it is for workers in the industry that if, if, if later opening does come in, that they are treated fairly, that they're able to get to and from their job without having to pay, you know, excessive additional costs to have to get home. That's something that will need to be ironed out and already needs attention, you know, because irrespective of, you know, 6 a.m. closing or whatever it might be, even at the moment, it's difficult for people to get home at night, both workers and, and the public alike. So that's something that needs to be fixed, that needs to be resolved. That, unfortunately, where we're at, even with, with fuel prices and all of the rest, I mean, it's, and I've seen even, you know, at, at recently how, you know, the nightling services are, are, are getting pulled on certain nights. And it's hard to really 100% know what's going on sometimes. But I think at the moment, we're getting back to that stage that we were at years ago, where we're, we're far too reliant on the on the on the fleet of taxis that are that are out there to to provide uh, public transport and that's something that needs to be addressed uh, safety obviously is a big one you know if you don't have good transport then that's going to lead to 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 um 
to, to unwanted incidents and and, and a lack of of of, uh, of of a feeling of of well-being and safety at night for those who are who are who are trying to leave the city and get get you know we we've spoken a lot in the past about staggered closing and you know that is a that is a system or a concept that enables uh, people to be able to get in and out of the city, um, particularly out of the city, um, without having to wait at a taxi ranks or at bus stops for an hour or two or whatever it might be. It, it, it decreases the amount of footfall or concentration of people in areas at once at the same time. And I think that's something that the ex- extended times will will bring in literally overnight. I mean, when, when, when venues are allowed to choose their closing times, that's when things are going to change uh, really, really quickly for the better in, in that regard. But it, we, we want access to spaces as well. We need it needs to be easier to open a venue you know it needs to be easier to open a space as well temporarily you know we see lots of buildings around the city that could be used for for really cool one off events you know we 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 also think that there's there's a lot of room for other buildings that mightn't necessarily open till late late but could open you know up till midnight or one o'clock and then people might be able to go on to another venue after that so we need to try to reimagine the spaces and buildings and maybe even venues that have shut but haven't reopened but might open again temporarily we need to so we, we need the help of 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 the local authority um and this 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 is the same right across the country as well you yeah. know we need uh, we, we need our authorities at, at every level you know from governments down to council level uh, to, to get more hands on with this you know and at that point then there becomes a kind of a negotiation as well between uh, building owners and and the authorities to to try to put some of these spaces back into use, I, but some of the spaces as well. If we were to talk about the, the office of public works, I mean they have plenty of of buildings and spaces that could also be used for uh, for events. So we'd like to see some. I don't know what the best word would be, but kind of like yeah, so, some exciting one-off kind of flagship events. Maybe some of them might become yearly events. Maybe some of them might be there might be a number of them on each year. But we would like to have more kind of um, I, I don't want to call them like trophy gigs, but like sort of sort of we want to, let's say for the likes of Easter or the likes of Paddy's Day or at some points during the summer or around Christmas we need some bigger dance events happening in the city mm. I'd like to see some dance events happening outdoors as well you know I don't see why you know you can go up to Belfast and go to some although it doesn't happen there that often but like each year each summer they have some big dance events outdoors um up there, I think we have. Perhaps there's in this Ireland. lingering fear. That there was a Swedish House Mafia concert, I think, about ten years ago in the Phoenix Park, and I think there, there was some health and safety issues with that, and that there might be some kind of lingering fear about that. Uh, listen, I, there's some really interesting points made there, Sunil Sharp from the Give Us the Night campaign. Final thing I want to ask you on a slightly different note because we it came up earlier on the show this evening. Have you ever been to Berghain in Berlin? Yeah, I, I I played there quite a few times actually. Wow. So I, yeah, yeah. So, and what was the question? Just to ask, have I been in it? Or, have you? Or, well, okay. I, I was going to ask, have you made it in as a, as just a customer, as someone on a night out? But you've played there. What's it like playing there? Yeah, I mean, I've I've played there at all times of the day and night actually. So I I think I I went in first. I, I've been hearing a lot about it for many years or for a number of years and. I was sort of, I, you know, me being my, you know, as I, 
I sort of dismissed it a little bit at the time because it was very trendy back then, like Burgoyne. This was like maybe 2011 or something like that. And I, mm. I'd heard mixed reports about it, but I knew it was an amazing space for music, you know. And obviously I, I knew that, it, you know, it went for many hours and it, it had this huge reputation. But I felt there was other clubs in Berlin that I felt more loyal to. Um, but at the same time, yeah, when I went in, it just all kind of made sense. I just go... I think it's one of those places once you step foot in as you kind of go, all right, okay, now what is, now I see what it's about, you know. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, I've played at it like, for, you know, at different times. I've played like, you know, like seven in the morning, you know, 11 in the morning, one in the afternoon, wow. five in the evening. But I'd say that there's so no I, perception I, of time once you're in there. It could be not, any time really, of day. Not really, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that you like, you know, if you're going to Bergheim and you've actually got in, you know, you can, it, it, you're there for the weekend if you feel like it. But most people I know, especially people that would live over there as well, they, they will... Uh, and it's it, this is this is kind of this is sort of how a lot of people's relationship with clubs kind of work over there. But we something we've never really had the chance or opportunity to do here is, is people know their limits as well. Not everybody, but most people know their limits. And like there would be a lot of people from Berlin, for instance, who would go there at. Uh, midday or one o'clock on a Sunday and you know they'd have a dance they'd meet up with friends and then they'd leave again at, at seven o'clock and they'd be up for, for work the next day and I, I, that's something I noticed <laughs> about Berlin very early on as well just even with the with the midweek scene over there that some people would go directly from work to a club wow. um, and then would be gone from the club by you know midnight or 1am or, or so it's all about kind of how we, we, we get used to how this new Listen, I'd say it to a lot of people, if you want the Berlin experience, go to Berlin. Dublin is not going to be like Berlin. Um, and it's, we're, we're certainly not going to have the, the kind of the, fle- the same flexibility on opening hours um, as Berlin um, any time soon. Yeah, I, I mean, I that, look, believe. it's, it's the, the world's capital of clubbing, I guess, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, listen, Sunil Sharp from the Give Us Night campaign. Uh, keep up the good work and great to talk to you. Thank, thanks, Gav. Thanks. Okay, yeah, whenever you're ready, go for it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.